Hey y'all, hey, welcome to Where's My Blueprint Podcast, where we talk about all things adulting, our experiences as three Black women on this amazing journey of living our best life, trying to support each other as we figure out this ghetto world of adulting. I am joined by my amazing co-hosts, Nay and Sunny D. Hey honeys, I'm Nay, your virtual homegirl who thoughts on almost any and everything. Also, full-time parent, and sometimes you may hear my little one in the background of this podcast. Lo siento, I am sorry. To me, adulting is a game of whack-a-mole. Once you think you have one thing conquered, something else pops right up. Hey everyone, it's Sunny D. And to me, adulting is choosing to be your best self while that laundry piles up and the dogs chew on your good shoes. Yo, this is your girl, Nakai, and I'm your host of Where's My Blueprint Podcast. I randomly burst out in song, Love Ice, and think adulting is a beautiful storm of I get to do what I want to do mixed with what the hell did I sign up for? Thanks for joining us. Now let's get to the episode. Hey, welcome back to Where's My Blueprint Podcast, where we deliver entertaining, educational, and some inspirational thoughts and comments all about adulting and our amazing experiences. Y'all, we got to pay some bills, so a word from our sponsor. So if you are a business owner and looking for a way to create systems to help streamline your business, check out ICL Solutions. It is an online business strategy who specializes in creating systems for businesses. Use the code WMB to get a free 40-minute consultation. Go ahead, Nate. Tell them what it is. So guys, you know we come up with all of the content but this is y'all's podcast too uh, to some extent so please if you have any other topics that you want us to delve more into any topics you want to hear our takes on because you know we keep it popping hot out there here email us at wmbpod at protonmail.com or hit up that little drop box on our website at wheresmyblueprintpod.com. Once again, you can email us at wmbpod at protonmail.com or drop us a little comment, a little note, a little suggestion at wheresmyblueprintpod.com. Y'all, I am so Super excited for this episode that we have in store for y'all today. We have a guest. So we have Dr. Jay Watts, she, they, in the building. She is an Appalachian queer sexuality and diversity scholar, as well as the radical executive officer, okay, and founder of the Center for Empowered Wellness, LLC, located in Los Angeles, California. She has a Bachelor of Science and Social Studies education degree from the University of Louisville, Mass. Master of Art in Human Services from Eastern Kentucky University, Master of Education and Cultural Foundations of Education from Kent State University, and completed with a PhD in Human Services, Mental Health, with a focus in sexuality from Walden University. Okay, she got all the qualifications to do whatever she wants in life. And they have over a decade in sexuality and justice, diversity, equity, and belonging professional work. With over 10 years of experience in sexuality, education and professionally tailored expertise in sex sex counseling in various settings, population, and clinical needs. Jay brings extensive knowledge and background. In addition to being a sex counselor, educator, and coach for her company, the Center for Empowered Sexual Wellness, LLC, or the CESW, she also serves as a sexologist and consultant for clinics, OBGYN offices, 
urology offices, pelvic floor PTs, psychotherapists, and medical school programs. She's consulting with your base, basically. Jay is a board-certified sexologist through the American Board of Sexology, World Association of Sex Coaches, and the American College of Sexologists International. Furthermore, she is a certified sound therapy and sound healing practitioner, a Reiki master, and she is finalizing supervision for AASECT, sex counseling and education certification. Dr. J is a sex and cultural research with an esteemed peer-reviewed publication history. Her academic journals and writing can be found in the Diverse Issues in Higher Education, Encyclopedia of Social Justice and Diversity, Journal of Social Social Research, Scholar Works, and three in-progress publications in sexuality and intimacy. Dr. J is also the founder of a DEI firm called Diversifirm Group, LLC, where she supports policy, practice, programming, and protocol for organizations, institutes, and agencies around the world. Dr. J's doctoral research focused on appropriated radical racial oppression as a moderator of sexual shame and sexual satisfaction of Black women in the United States. Also, a little quick aside, me and Dr. J actually went to college. And while I have not interacted with her in over a decade, this proves that people watch you wherever you go because I have been following her on social media. And girl, I'm so proud of you. I believe in publicly giving people their flowers because privately, it don't matter. But yes, I'm so proud of you and all that you have done and accomplished since college. And you are doing the dang thing. So welcome to our pod. Thank you. Wow. I was um, listening to that read off of my expertise. I'm like, come on, ancestors. Come on, mama. Come on. Come on, you. You did it. (laughs) That's all you did. But through the energy and the power of the people that brought me here, like I was not alone. So come on. And come on reflection for the little girlies and boys and non-gender people coming up to follow. You did (laughs) it. <laughs> yes, thank you. Yeah, it's um it's been a it's been a ride. And you know, when you are climbing, I like to bring other people with me. I think it's important that I bring people with me. Um, because someone has someone in their life has brought me with them. I wouldn't be here if someone did not bring me with them. But sometimes you gotta leave some people behind too, right? Um, that may not be serving you the way that they need to show up in your life. And this has also been the pruning season of my life that not saying that weeds don't have its purpose. I believe plant is life and plant does, all plants have a purpose, but sometimes they don't serve its intentions in those particular moments. And sometimes there is a pruning season. This is my pruning season and um, it's been, it's been a roller coaster and I'm okay with it. We just, we just embrace the mess and hope for the best. So I love lyrics. It sounds like, because I just listened to this song uh, yesterday, Drake was like, I've been losing friends and finding sleep. I've been losing friends and finding peace and he was like and it sounds like a fair trade to me (laughs) and when you said that I just like oh my gosh that is the definition and the meaning of what he's saying in that song like absolutely I think that uh sometimes in the moment you can be like man 
man, we've been rocking for for years. Man, we've been walk, rocking for decades. Man, we've been rocking this. Sometimes you gotta look back and I'm like, ooh, was this the best use of energy in space and time for allocating your energy for particular people and entities or even locations, right? <laughs> locations. So it's so totally okay to put people in different spheres of influence. Does not mean that you don't care about them or don't wish them the best, but there are spheres of influence. You are in the middle. And I think a lot of times as Black women and as Black folks, we have been taught that, you know, in order to to be able to, to surface in this world and get by in this world, sometimes we have to breach our sphere and let people in for, you know, they, they family, you know, or, you know, they play cousin. We've been, we've been friends for, for decades. If, if they, if they're not serving its purpose, then sometimes you got to move them either to a different sphere of influence away from your, from your circle or out fully altogether. And that's okay. If you need, if the listeners need any permission to do so, this is your, this is your permission to prioritize your passion, pleasure, and purpose. So I love all of that. And especially because you said giving listeners permission. I also, I do feel like I'm, I can speak for myself because obviously I can only speak for myself, right? What I have observed in myself, but also friends and things is like that one phrase of giving you permission. And when you give someone permission, it seems like it's like this whole entire weight. Like, wait, I can be me. You, I I have permission to be me, which is like mine. I'm trying not to cuss so much. <laughs> it's mind boggling. Someone has to give you permission to be yourself. Someone has to give you permission to be your authentic, beautiful self. When we live in a world that honestly, if we're being very transparent, don't give a fuck about you. The person next to you may be like, I'm going through my own stuff. I don't care what you do who you do what what you look like like I'm trying to survive myself and the fact that you said I give you permission it's like oh my gosh I I needed to some people are like I needed to hear that I needed to hear that I have I have permission to cut these people off and move on I have permission to move to a new location I have permission to go and heal myself without the confines of like a small environment or small sphere right and so with that we're gonna go ahead and jump into this episode because this is already starting off good y'all we typically start our episode with a quote yeah let's rock it okay so the quote of this episode is i do not cheat i do not lie i am not easy i do not sleep around i love bigger and deeper than most my heart is simply too big for any one person to feel i am polly i am love what do you think about that quote woo 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 um no i i love it i'm polly myself and um i think i've uh yeah i've spent a good good penny of my life being unethically poly like when I was an undergrad I cheated on a great guy I was with right not really understanding why like I was I was cheating right and you know I was also understanding my my sexuality at that time of, of liking liking all genders um but there's yeah, when it comes to even being same gender loving sometimes there's there's this pressure to like either like one or the other like you can't you can't be you and just kind of you know experience you know different energies you have to like one or the other. Myself, I'm Polly. And I will say that, you know, especially in undergrad, and I think a lot of people in undergrad and, you know, younger, 
trying to experience world, being informed by society too. I will say, and my dad will listen to this and he'll be like, yep. And I'm like, my, my dad is a rolling stone and he is hard to commit, right? He is non-committable um, and he will name himself as non-committable because he does not want to be committed. And you know, that unethical form of non-monogamy, it, it seeps in. And uh, me, I always knew that there were parts of me that I really enjoyed multiple ent entities around me. And when I think of cheating, I don't think of cheating as just sexual. I think of cheating as emotional. So, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, assume that I was just like out here in these streets being like intimate and sexual with a lot of other people. Um, Really, I was creating a lot of emotional ties with people, emotional connections that were inappropriate based on the boundaries that were already set for me. But now having a name for who I am, you know, what I, how I emote with people. Also knowing that there's other people as well too that are doing this ethically. Also gives some really great boundaries for people. There are a lot of people that are, um, that should be poly. Absolutely. There's a lot of people that know that they cannot be monogamous. There's a lot of people that think, think that they could be with people that are really good looking or have it all together. They're going to change my mind. They're going to make me committable. But then they realize that there's nobody, nobody that will look the best or have the best character, et cetera, that will take that need for that energy and that experience away from them. There's nothing that can change that if innately that is who they are. Absolutely. Yes, there's people that once they get older or, you know, maybe they want to settle down, but even then you find that still people that are older and ready to settle down, they may still develop some emotional connections with people, which still would be considered unethical. So I think absolutely we have to do this the ethical way or there's hearts at stake. And I'll say even in the poly community, there are people that are poly babies. And I just got out, I just got out of a relationship with a poly baby that was unethical as fuck. <laughs> and he, and he just, you know, was used to cheating, right? Used to cheating, used to lying, used to all of that. So being with someone saying, you don't have to lie to me, just tell me, make sure you get tested because I'm A1 when it comes to, to my track record and my sheets and my charts. I'm A1 um, and I'm really big on that. So let me know, communicate with me. But when people have that shame about who they are, I don't care what shame it is, right? I don't care if it's sexual shame. I don't care if it's body shame. When they have shame, they will lie because they're chasing that stimuli. And I had a question about a poly baby. What is a poly baby? Poly baby, someone new into to poly life that may have not had that permission, right? Going back to that, that beginning. May have not had that permission or even been with someone that says like, yeah, sex really like, there are people that can disconnect from sex. I'm one, you know, I, I can disconnect and think of it as, you know, an in energy expelled and not necessarily an emotional investment. And yes, I understand that there may be situations that it is what it is. Let me know, get tested, let me know. So we can wait a little bit before we're intimate again. So I can make sure those test results are A1 and we can resume. You don't have to lie to kick it, but poly babies, they're often informed by the shame of the experience because we have been taught as a society that you have to be monogamous. Although biblically, there's not a lot of monogamy in the Bible. There's not. <laughs> I like you, Dr. J. <laughs>
<laughs> um, I, I over here like, yes, yeah, speak on it, speak on it. Because um, you said something earlier about sexual shame. Mm-hmm. And so that just sparked the thought in my mind of like, most people would, when they try to quote unquote the Bible, they're like, oh, you're supposed to be monogamous. And I'm like, in the Bible, most of these people had multiple husbands and multiple wives. So which Bible y'all quote? Because <laughs> the one I'm reading don't line up with what we are quote unquote programmed to think, right? And so I wanted to go into a little bit more about that sexual shame and like really what does that mean for like not even a person like a poly baby but like as black women what does that mean for sexual shame for us that's a big question sexual shame means that you're walking around even when you're in a relationship right a lot of my clients are in beautiful relationships or you know maybe they're married but they still have an experience where they feel that what they're doing even with their partners is dirty or not above board or morally reproached. All of those big words also means that even when you try, sometimes there's this emotional block where you feel like you're numbing yourself out. Or like a lot of my clients, they have been conditioned to to take drugs or alcohol beforehand. Like I need some weed. I need some weed beforehand. Or I need a, I need a, a wine, some wine beforehand in order to feel like they can get in the mood um, because that anxiety about that experience. Um, but also the performance anxiety about the experience as well too creeps in and it causes you know a flight fight fear or fawn response and that can yeah fight flight fear or fawn response and because of that it's often formed by sexual shame it's not being able to show up as your best self when it comes to sexuality um when it comes to intimacy it's informed by society but it can be informed by experiences right you know when we're talking about black women you know about a trigger warning trigger warning you know about a a quarter or more of black women have a history of sexual violence. Um, even more have had a history of some some non-consensual act of touching. And if you've been out to clubs, bars, or even out in these, out in these streets just walking around, um, unfortunately, um, a lot of women um, are inappropriately groped or touched. And a lot of that has, has started since our elementary school years, right? If you were a curvy child or if you were taller or looked older, then you were oftentimes adultified and hypersexual and because of that, that that also um, had people that wanted to utilize that for their benefit. And that also comes with some sexual shame. And that also imp- impedes on sexual satisfaction. That's what my research was about. You know, does that sexual shame impact sexual satisfaction? And it does. My, my data and other data previously have proven that sexual shame does impact sexual satisfaction. What does that mean? That means that there are people that are having sex that are not satisfied. There are people that I counsel, that I work with, that feel like they are being trigger warning, sexually assaulted every time they're with their partner. And can you imagine for years being with someone and feeling like you are being consistently triggered every time you're intimate with, with them? That's that's no, that's no bueno. And I, I take I take offense to that because and I think that's one of the reasons why in this work, I'm like, if you're going to be with someone, I want you to enjoy your moments. And yeah, there are moments that are not great, right? There's arguments, there's there's dissonance there's there's all of that but should you be in a space where you're not enjoying your body should you be in a space where you're not in your right mind to enjoy the person you're with oh so that's all about sexual shame and its impact on unfortunately black women and we're in a we're in a 
precarious space, right? Because Black women have been taught to A, we have to be pious and pure, but also we have to know how to not be pious and pure for our partners. So if we have experience, you know, there's this there's this big debate, right, on body count, right? So people are shaming Brittany Renner for having 35 bodies. I don't even like that body count, whatever. People are shaming her for that, right? Well, listen, a lot of y'all's mamas and a lot of y'all's grandmas have had over 35 body counts. A lot of y'all sisters, a lot of y'all partners. And at the end of the day, what's the STDs looking like? What's the my chart looking like? Because that's the most important. I, I work with clients that have contracted STDs and HIV from one partner. I've met people that are in sex work that actively do prostitution and escorting that have had zero history of STDs, right? So it all still aligns with sexual shame. How do you see yourself showing up in sexual spaces? And when you have shame, you have a lot to hide. And if you're out and open with your experience and okay with being a sexual being or an asexual being, right? There are people that are asexual. You're going to be more likely to get tested. You're going to be more likely to enjoy yourself. We got to be pure and also know how to throw, throw it in a circle. I don't understand that that rationality. I just, I, I don't understand. Yeah. And then to talk about body count, shoot a lot of people aunties, sisters and everything either stopped counting or they can't count. So they need to be glad that she actually knows the number because um, a lot of people ain't keeping telly marks on their bedside. But I also want to comment that sexual shame also create an atmosphere that could potentially increase your level of victimization because you are fearful or feel shame in talking about you know what you want or what you don't want in those sexual spaces that you could just go along and it's something that you honestly don't want absolutely um sexual shame will make you chase stimuli to make yourself feel normal any shame will make you chase stimuli to make you to help make you feel normal even body shame right even you know shame in relationships or feeling unlovable absolutely you said something about enjoying your body and i think as women we have like you said we're if you're young and curvy you're already sexualized right but then if you are older and you have like the quote unquote what's the whitewash thing of what sexy is right uh view of what sexy is then yes very vanilla very no flavor just unflavored vanilla yogurt But that's quote unquote sexy. Thought of is like, I even think about enjoying your body is not even just with sex because I'm learning how to salsa dance and bachata. And so we were doing a partner dance yesterday. One of the partners, well, one of the ladies was like, I just don't feel sexy. Like, how do you, how do you feel sexy? And the instructor was like, well, you, you must don't like yourself. And I was like, Ooh, that is kind of harsh to say in front of a group one, but also you saying what you just said is like, I wonder and this is just me talking off the brand now like I wonder does she even enjoy her body does she even like herself but then I also wonder as black women and just women in general how do you know what you like if you don't know what you like and to have 35 partners at the end of the day like you said account ain't nothing because at the end of the day can you satisfy me and if you cannot satisfy me I'm going to say thank you have a wonderful day move on to the next because why should I not be satisfied but you get yours that's 
not fair. Oof, that's a whole word. Just because you have 35 bodies, which is relatively low for a 35-year-old, right? That's a mistake about it. In this, I won't even say in this day and age. And some people say in this day and age, there's no, this this already exists. I mean, they got free nick. Come on. They go to freak nick every year for the past five years. You think they weren't getting getting it in and, and freak nick. They were going to Kentucky State Homecoming and they were going to all these different spaces. They were not going to Atlanta Greek picnic and yeah, a lot of sex parties with Studio 54 in the 70s, all of these things. They was get they were getting it in. Absolutely. If you know people that have been in the military that were stationed abroad, absolutely. We know that these things existed. And I will say for black women, especially the one that was dancing, doesn't necessarily mean that she doesn't love herself. That may mean that she is triggered by performance. People can have performance anxiety and performance anxiety is different than being able to show up in your body and love it, right? Because shoot, that person can have some really great rock and orgasms by themselves, right? And love their body and touch their body. But as soon as someone enters into the picture, they also have to worry about somebody else's satisfaction. They have to also worry about somebody else's body. They also have to worry about if somebody likes them or if someone thinks their body is weird when they're when they're sitting up or, you know, laid out this way or have this type of lingerie or underwear on. You know, when other people's gazes are part of the mix, then it can provoke performance anxiety. We see that a lot in sex, right? We see that a lot with men. Um, a lot of men end up getting, you know, erectile dysfunction, especially in their, their late 20s and in mid 30s, especially nowadays, um, especially when they're trying to show up as perfect in the bedroom and they're informed by porn. And sometimes that can cause erectile dysfunction, not the fact that they don't love their body and that they don't love the other person's body, but it has everything to do with the fact that somebody else's satisfaction is on the table that they have to worry about. Popping it, hip, popping it open for people who ain't even real ones. Um, yeah, listen, I'm for, I'm, I'm for whatever someone feels is pleasurable for, for, for them. And it could be experiencing someone. I'm pretty sure with Brittany Renner, she didn't, she wasn't emotionally invested with everyone she's been with. I don't think a lot of people have been emotionally invested with everyone that they've been, been with. But I think for a lot of people, it is the experience. It's the memory. Like I was with this particular person and it may have not been super good, but at least in my head, I know like, yeah, I was with this particular person. It wasn't, it wasn't slamming, but I was with this pretty, this person and it was pretty fun. So as long as it's consensual, safe and sane, I'm for it, but also informed and informed from a place, hopefully informed from a place that is not power over and not being the, the only coping mechanism that they can, they can rely on in spaces. Well, since even within the brief time that we've been on here, we hear that you are a well of knowledge when it comes to sex and interpreting how people are showing up in their sexual spaces. How did you get in this field? Oh gosh. Well, to be honest, when I was an undergrad, I had a lot of people that had a lot of questions about sex and intimacy. I was also shamed a lot about sex um, because I enjoyed it. And, um, and I think I'll, also I wasn't with a lot of people and I think a lot of people thought that I was with a lot of people. I'm a little bit of a tomboy, right? So I used to hang out with a lot of guys and, and I used to play basketball sometimes too. I used to, you know, run sometimes and I hung out with a lot of guys. Now, now some people I was with, absolutely. But a lot of the people I was not, they were just my friends, but a lot of the guys that I hung out with, you know, we would have like conversations about condoms breaking, you know, a lot of, you know, people who had, you know, STDs or contracted STDs would come to me and be like, you know, what should I do? And I ended up being like almost like a little sex educator just within my friends groups. 
And um, I never really had that that shame about sex. I had a I had a mom that was very open about sexuality, and she told me at a, a tender age, "Don't depend on nobody to satisfy you. You know, you know what satisfies you first. Don't let nobody teach you." Unfortunately, that was too late because at that point in time, I was already you know perpetrated against by like five people, right? So I did have that informed knowledge. Unfortunately, at a young age, but my mama still was able to kind of flip that script in a very great time in my life where it could have been totally different for me and a different outcome that I could have been immersed in sexual shame. She was able to kind of reach me in a level that like, yeah, like although at that point in time, she didn't know what I went through because I kept it a secret. But at that point in time, it, it empowered me to one, reclaim what intimacy and sex was for me, but also in a healthy way and in a way that did not carry the stigma. I never thought that I was a hoe, even loving loving intimacy and sex I never put that label on myself and yeah there's people that are ethical hoes out here and they name themselves as ethical hoes and I'm proud of that listen I'm for it you want to name yourself ethical ho? I'm like, I love it but I never named myself as that I just named myself as a person that just really enjoyed great pleasure and was able to create that I also have been privileged to have some really great intimate partners in my life that were explorative that were safe and that were they were able to be vulnerable enough with me to also you know share share that experience with me so it allowed me to be able to do some like self-education and to get into bdsm and kink in ways that were consensual safe and sane and allowed me to just feel really comfortable in it comfortable talking about it and not really having that shame around it there's a stigma being a hoe and i think shoot there are some people that they were never labeled a hoe and they had they had more experience than me and I was labeled it because I talked outwardly about it I talked outwardly about my experiences and I embraced it listen that's just that's just how the world goes and I never consumed that as anything like reflective on me that has everything to do with other people's sexual shame not me you spoke on something earlier about memories and so I read this book and I think it's called Hooked H-O-O-K-E-D but in there he talks about how like every person you have have sex with you will your body will remember them it kind of goes back to the body keeps the score too so with the memories of every single person you're with my random question is do you ever compare or do you think people ever compare of like person one who you know was my first was probably the best person but then you get with jason samoa and you like oh my gosh he is great and then you may get with tank and you like tank just you know is amazing and i'm sorry to y'all because i know y'all are married but i just had to use y'all as examples sorry y'all Absolutely. We, we compare. I think in general, we, we, we compare a lot of things. We compare people all the time. We compare ourselves. Um, we compare how we show up sexually with certain people um, versus other people. You know, there's some people that I've been with that I have been a little bit more guarded instead of trusting my intuition of why I was guarded in those spaces or why I was fawning in those spaces as well too. Fawning is, you know, appeasing to their needs and not really considering my own. Not trusting my intuition of why that was coming out of me. Like I thought that was just a normal response, but really it was my body telling me that I should not be with this person. So yeah, I think that it's it's also very normal to compare, but it's not normal to outwardly tell your partner that you are this compared to somebody else, whether it's good or bad. It is not great. And y'all need to stop that. Y'all out here in this podcast world need to stop that practice because what it creates, even if you're 
you're saying, woo, woo boy, you, you much better than Jamal or woo girl, you much, much better than Missy or even on the flip. Woo. I wish you did this better because my ex, you know, used to suck a mean dick. Both sides are equally as damaging because both sides create a performance anxiety in something that you feel like you have to live up to. And now in the bedroom, all you're focused on is trying to compare or compete against someone that they've named. And it starts to inform your intimacy and also potentially your your worth as a sexual being. So y'all got to stop that. And sometimes it's, you say it on the flip, but if you say it on the flip, you need to counter that and you no, don't need to pick that back up. Yeah, that's not even limited to sex. <laughs> it must be doing it too. They need to stop. Yeah, and I'm even going to throw in for us, you know, anxious sweethearts in the room. We already are anxious and have enough in our heads. Like, we don't need a pleasurable experience to keep us in our heads as well. So stop doing it for that too, because a lot more people are walking around with various levels of anxiety than they admit or want you to know. So please, just, just stop, because you never know the mental stories that people already have playing in their heads. And then you come with all of that. Now I'm out of it. And I don't even want to do this anymore. Or people that are high performance like me. I had a I had an ex that was like, listen, I'm a mom. I got mom bod. I am I am proud of it. I'm more proud of it now. But unfortunately, I let an ex make me feel bad about my mom bod. And if, if anybody see my body, they know my body's banging. But for a, a blip in time, I was self-conscious about my body. And I'm looking back like, what the hell? Have you have y'all not seen it? Stacked. This, but this person said, Man, like, you know, I wish I wish your body was like, you know, my ex, or you know, I miss I miss my ex and our and our sex. That well, it is an abusive tactic to compare bodies, performance, experiences. Yeah, on the flip, if someone says it, make sure you immediately put them in their place. Because if you don't immediately put them in their place, they'll feel like they can say it over and over again. So don't do that. And people out there that's using that tactic, y'all better stop. I'm already hipping y'all on game. Don't do it. You know, to put somebody in their place immediately, that means you need to name, name the action, name what occurred, what it has caused, and the consequences of uh, if it happens again. Those three things. Those three things are important. You can't name something without also naming the consequences because it will still give someone the ammunition to say like, yeah, this bothered her. So anytime I start feeling self-insecure about myself and I want her to feel just as low as me, or, you know, if I'm feeling insecure and I want him to feel as low as me, then I can just pull that out of my knapsack of toxic shit to bring up. <laughs> and I know it will bother them. So name it, being able to understand and, and also talk about what it has caused and also the consequences. Those are important. Thank you for putting, like actually giving us steps to do something like that. Because again, as Nay said, as someone that is anxious AF about a lot of difficult conversations, Lord knows I hate conflict and I hate confrontation. Having those steps makes it much more clear on how to do something like that, that would probably be uncomfortable. And I'm sure that I'm not the only person or the only listener that feels that way or has experiences like that. So I'm grateful for those steps. So thank you, Dr. J, for that. I am curious, based on just what you said thus far, with having the supportive parents that you've had growing up and, you know, conversations with your mom regarding sex and things of that nature, like, did you have or were you given a blueprint specifically as far as your transition into adulthood based on that type of support that you got? No, not at all. Yeah, I think pleasure was something that one, my mom always said that that was also for me too. And I think that's empowering because I think women have been taught that 
that we are the the producers of pleasure, but not the consumers of pleasure um, and ought to not be the consumers of pleasure, um, that the consumers of pleasure is something for men to, to ascertain and not for women. So to know that pleasure was also for me was a game changer, but I created my, my own bloom blueprint and I want other people to create their own blueprint. And I think that's, that's my work. My work in general is to help other people create their own blueprint, but with pencil, not, not with permanent marker because different stages of your life may yield different results and different needs and your, your pleasure needs. If I just lost it, let's say, you know, someone just lost their job or maybe there's an illness or sickness. Would I want to do shibari work or would I want to do some, you know, maybe some flogging shibari work is rope work. Flogging is utilizing paddle. Some people would, but some people are, they're like, yeah, I may start feel really feeling a little bit more insecure in those moments that I may not want to do some things that are considered a little bit more hardcore and risky because I'd be more in my head. So maybe I would need more of a gentle touch if I'm going through something. And that's important to consider where you are, your Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Because, you know, that's food, water, shelter, psychological safety, etc. Where you are in that, you know, that pyramid of your needs can impact what you need for pleasure. That's why with the love languages, I'm pretty sure most of y'all have taken the love languages quiz at some point, right? And people swear by that. People are like, yeah, yeah, me, me and my partner, we took our love languages and, you know, this I'm the I'm, I'm physical touch and um, they're like um, acts of service and we just got each other. We just did. And I'm like, girl, but what happens if something traumatic happens in your life? Let's say you lose a loved one and maybe your fear response is to not be touched at this. Maybe you are triggered. So you're, t- you're right now, touch is your love language, but your love language can change due to your needs in the future. Maybe, um, you know, gifts was your big thing in the past, right? But now maybe you're starting to get broke by broke and maybe you need some acts of service. You need, need somebody to pick pick a bill up or help me out with some with some dishes or, or taking the trash out or something because I'm working two jobs and it used to be getting me gifts and candies and stuff worked, but that candy and all those flowers could be utilized to put on the light bill. Those needs change. Food is also my love language, Sunny D. But yes, it can change. And to piggyback on that, I think that's where it's so important to know your partner because at this stage in my life I feel like my love language is all of them because on one day I might need an act of service on another day I might need 37 hugs but if someone is so conditioned to say oh her love language is acts of service and that's all I'm getting then I'm not being fulfilled because you like I haven't communicated that I need everything and you aren't being intentional with how you respond to me to understand that I need everything in different moments. Absolutely. But also knowing that your partner is not static, right? That the per- the partner you know right now will be vastly different than the partner you know five years later. And yeah, there's still going to be parts of them that are going to be the same, but they could be vastly different. Their their interests and their needs. Are you ready to evolve with them? And a lot of people are not prepared to, to do that, to evolve with their partners. I, would, I really say that that's probably one of the big roots of a lot of divorces is not necessarily the lack of love. The love's still there, but the inability to 
to evolve with a changing landscape of their partners. There's a disconnect. There's a need that's not getting met and a need that's often not being communicated early enough to be able to fix what could have been rectified years ago. My coworker and I had this debate. <laughs> uh, is sex more important in any relationship or is quote unquote what I call intimacy more important? I'll say it depends on what the foundation of your relationship is. There are people that are asexual. That means they have no desire for, for sex at all that get with individuals or marry individuals that are not asexual, right? But they have developed their own form of intimacy and erotica that works for them. Sex may not be very top on their list. There are there are marriages that they're having sex. Let me tell you, I have I have clients that they're having sex like seven times a week. And that seems like, you know, when people think of quantity, they're like, yeah, they must be having like rocket ass sex. Some people that are having a lot of sex are doing it because they feel like there's something to prove and not necessarily that it's fulfilling for them. So they're trying to achieve an outcome um, and not necessarily something that they're actually enjoying. But I have I have clients that are having sex twice twice a month and having rocking ass sex and saying, yeah, we having the sex twice a month. We going to a sex club twice a month and having sex out in front of everybody. And they're in their 60s. They got grandkids. They don't give, they don't care. They, they, we're retired. We don't care. Bob and Shirley and, and Mary Sue is up in there. We still having sex in front of everybody. And they're having rocking ass sex in their 60s. And I, I have colleagues, um, not clients, I have clients that are having sex seven times a week that are in their 20s and they're not having felt fulfilling sex. So it just depends. You know, what foundation do you want your relationship to be built on? Do you want sex to be the most important thing? Or do you want intimacy, the romantic connection? And there are people that just aren't romantic. There are people that aren't able to emotionally connect on that level. Could be just the fact that they were groomed to, to not emotionally connect. And sometimes households are just not very, you know, lovey-dovey. You know, they, they don't do a lot of hugging. My my grandfather never said he loved he loved anybody, you know? He just was that way, but he showed through service. He showed through like gifts and service and stuff like that. That's how he showed it. So it, it depends. But also there's individuals with disabilities. There's people with autism or on the spectrum that may not have the um the capacity to be as romantic, but still have really great sex life because that's able that's how they're able to show that those heightened emotions. You answered my follow-up question. <laughs> But first and foremost, you threw me off when you told me like the grandparents are at swingers club having sex in front of people. I was just like, wait a minute. Come on, grandparents. Y'all supposed to be in the rocking chair watching TV all day. No, that the <laughs> average age of a lot of swingers cl clubs and a lot of lifestyle scenes are in their late 50s to 60s. If you ever go to swingers club or a lifetime a lifestyle scene, they're going to be quite a bit older. Now, Dr. J, you said that now I don't know if I want to go or not. <laughs> You do. If you want to go, you should still go because the experience itself is just, it's great. And you really get to know people. And even if you don't want to get to know people, you don't have to. I think a lot of people say, well, y'all, all y'all doing is just fucking in there. No, like I actually don't have sex in there. I, I'm just a voyeur. Um, and also it's, it's business strategy, right? So, you know, I'm a, I'm a sex counselor. So if you want to increase your skills and your experience, then, but that sounds yeah, like research it, to me, it is a bit research too. 
true. It is. But you know, there are lifestyle scenes that are a little bit more younger and hipper. I have a, a an amazing colleague in Atlanta. Her name is Taomi. She's very tall, beautiful, just thick, beautiful goddess of a black woman. Just, just banging. She's probably about tall as me or taller. So she's almost six foot. She has a, a, a lifestyle play parties as well, too, in Atlanta. She had Omarion's brother up in there a, a bit ago. You know, Omarion's brother. He fine. He fine, fine. And he was up in the play party. Yep. Glamazon Taomi. Yep. That's her. So reach out to her if y'all are in Atlanta. Reach out to her and go to some of her play parties. You just answered my next question because I was like, well, how we get to these play parties? Like, how we get an invite? Like, yeah, just uh, reach out to the person. And um, there, there's etiquette. No cell phones. Most people that go to play parties, they got something to lose. It's it's not just some 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 random people. I mean, you you gonna recognize people a lot of times, and sometimes, especially in, in Los Angeles, you are gonna recognize some people. But it is um it is known that what happens here stays here, which is a safe space. So people are just able to one be themselves, but also there's safeguards in place too. If people act out of line, they got security people. They will bounce their ass out, and they will also block them like from ever being part of that scene and potentially in other scenes as well too, because they all network and talk together. So since we have transitioned to like sex parties and like having these beautiful safe environments, my question is <laughs> one, you already told us like who to contact and like the etiquette, which I appreciate. So audience, if y'all are listening, y'all are um, thinking about, you know, going to, and I want to say, I do say everyone should go to Swingers. What is it called? It's one in Dallas called Cabaret, Cabaret, Cabaret something. Um, Colette. There's Colette. Colette. Yes, yes, yes. If you have one, I think like you said, you should go because it's eye-opening. Yeah. Definitely eye-opening. And in Dallas, there's a place called Red Room as well too. It is majority black space. So Don't tell me Red Room is one because I'll be there on Saturday. Absolutely. It is. Yeah. Um. Now they do, they do different programming there, but Red Room has a lot of play parties there. So if you ever want to go to a play party, follow Diana Ryan. She's in Dallas. She's an amazing sexologist in, in Dallas. And she'll also pinpoint you to some spaces as well too. She also does some really great kink education in those spaces, electro play and et cetera, bondage. She just, she's, a, and Diana Ryan is older. So she's in her fifties. But shoot, she got a listen. Uh, you gonna see her? Uh, look her up. Look her up. And you gonna be like oh, Diana Ryan? She's gonna laugh when she. I want to send her this. She's gonna laugh. She's gonna like can't stand you. <laughs> But I do love that because I feel like, and I think Sunny DNA and I talked about this on a previous episode of like really loving our bodies at this age or at this stage in our life. And I think about specifically for me, when I was younger, I'm like, the body was banging. Like everything was tight, right in the right spot, abs, everything, you know? And now I'm like a lot heavier. Well, I won't say heavier. I'm a lot healthier because I'm eating better, right? Uh, <laughs> but it's like that thought of like, dang, I was younger smaller I should have enjoyed that body but now I'm in a new body and having this appreciation of the body I'm in now but also understanding how this body is really sexy too and so when you said Miss Diana is in her 50s and body is banging I'm not gonna lie some of these people on some of these women on TikTok and Instagram who are like in their 50s and up I'm like y'all are my body goals like what are y'all doing that I'm not like 
is it going to these parties? Like, please let me in so I can be in the in crowd too. So I can have the body banging too. So I need these secrets. Yeah, I'd say um, one thing I really love also about Dallas scenes and play parties is that very body positive. Even the, you know, I will say when it comes to rope scenes, um, it has not traditionally been as body positive and, and particularly for individuals that are plus size or, or larger. Um, but I will say Dallas has an amazing body positive scene. I will say that Austin does too. Austin also has a Colette as well too. Um, Houston also has a Colette as well. Um, and um, if you're in Indianapolis uh, area, there's a place called Your Element um, Midwest Swingers Club. That's a majority black owned. Um, well, it is a black owned, but it's a majority black space. Um, and it's a play party. Um, they have this um, program called Vacation, Fuc- where they actually rent out a full hotel for the for like a weekend. And it's almost like a convention and a conference. So they have different rooms where you get to learn different things and different strategies. Um, and one thing that they really do in which I believe is beautiful is and like myself that that loves a big curvy woman Lizzo can get it on her birthday um and I have loved and lusted and and drooled all over mostly bigger women um because that's my type and I will say that Midwest Swingers Club does a lot of good body worshiping they do a lot of good body appreciation and they are unapologetically black listen and it is a safe space nothing's gonna go down there um and um they do have like photo rooms where if you want to take photos you could take photos if you want to like commemorate the time but they're also like no don't just take don't just take videos and photos you'll find that in a lot of play spaces and, and swinger spaces that's like no photos on like just be yourself come in meet some new people so yeah i will say body positivity is beautiful within play scenes but just like any other space unfortunately sometimes you know bigger bodies and curvy bodies like even you know as curvy as i am too sometimes we get hyper eroticized we get fetishized for being bigger so if that becomes a thing then you can advocate for your boundaries and say that you know i'm I'm more than just your your fantasies of what you got built up in your head and being able to advocate for that as well too but also just knowing that no matter how you show up and, and how your body changes that's beautiful for you and it's also still a pleasurable space to be in to know that your body can morph and and curve and and ripple and it's just beautiful to have that landscape of different sensations as well too it's hot it's sexy so for our listeners can you repeat the name of that place one more time okay so i think i talked about texas so that's colette there's a location in dallas austin and houston there's also a location i believe in uh, new orleans now too um there's red room that also has some play parties that's located in dallas you can reach out to diana ryan for that glamazon taomi also does play parties in atlanta as well too which are super fun and you can reach out to her on instagram and learn a bit more about her play parties also in indianapolis there is a a play space called your element that's you are element midwest swingers club and you can reach out to her last name is graham i'll find it for you also in columbus ohio if you're near columbus ohio you can go to club princeton club princeton is also a really upscale lifestyle club so that's one that you dress up like you're going to a nightclub too they won't accept you in unless you dress up a little bit more high class and because of that the safeguards are a little bit more 
bit more like extra because you also see some very well-to-do people there. Um, it's less diverse, but they do have a sex toy shop in there too, which is pretty cool. Great music. Oftentimes as well too, it's bring your own beverage. So you bring your own drink, bring your own bottle. They have like a bartender in the back. You just put your name on it and they'll dish you out your drink for you. And also if you're in Louisville, Kentucky, um, Louisville, Kentucky has a really great swingers uh, scene as well too. And you don't have to swing lifestyle. Lifestyle clubs just aren't about swinging. They used to be commonly called swingers clubs, but they're called lifestyle club mainly now. There is a lifestyle club called Tempted. That's T-E-M-P-T-E-D, Tempted. And Tempted is um, a really cool space. It is members only. You do have to interview to get in. They You can create an alias once you're into a lot of places. Cre- you can create an alias once you're in the doors. Um, if you're not comfortable in sharing your real like government name. And um, that's also a cool space. It's three floors. You have the rated R floor at the bottom where, you know, you can wear lingerie and you dance like a dance club. Then the second floor is the rated X floor where they have like a huge horn playing in the back. You know, they have um, a dungeon, etc. And then on the top floor is the double X, which, you know, is a lot of group sex, open stuff like that. You can be a voyeur, so you don't have to participate. I tend to be a voyeur, so I just walk around. So it's just a, a good experience to witness. And it's also very safe space to enter into, which is kind of a weird thing to say sometimes. People are like, how do you feel safe? You know, you go in there just by yourself. I have been into those spaces by myself and have left still feeling very safe. Oftentimes they give you a bracelet that will tell you, will tell you and others what you're down for. So if you're not down to play, they have a bracelet for that. And people respect those boundaries because they know if they don't, then they'll, they'll be booted out. I love that you said the word, because this is my favorite B word, boundaries, that people respect your boundaries. And mm-hmm. I feel like in this space, because it's so safe, because people respect the boundaries, they know there's etiquette, there's code, there's this lifestyle that this, in my opinion, seems like more safe than going to just a regular club, right? Mm-hmm. So my question is, with safety, how is it, or I don't know, I guess in my mind, I'm like, how can you figure out what, and you probably can't, but is there like, hey, do you have to have an STD test prior to come in or you know what I mean because or are you is it everyone practicing safe sex with condoms so there are some of those on those lists that you come as you are and um, oftentimes it's just good good practice in general to have your my chart already pulled up on your on your phone so a lot of people just already have their my chart updated on their phone and they share that but you have places like your element that is by Dana Graham Dana Graham is her name. She's also known in the scene as Queen of Hearts. She's she's very beautiful soul and she is like so so like intelligent. She's just like so brainy. She actually requires for her scenes that there is updated. So that is um that's her policies. So she runs it and that's her policies. Um there's often, you know, of course free condoms and things like that. So but I will say me personally, and this is just me, um I don't do hookups and I don't do randoms because I am just um, really scared of contracting something. STDs are very prevalent. About three-fourths of our community has an active STD or STI and may not be aware, which means that majority of the people that you may run across, um, and that increases if you are interacting with individuals that are, you know, either in the lifestyle scene or have risky experiences that increases, right? So if you're
you're in that scene, you need to automatically assume that someone has something. And because of that, I'm very like, I don't do hookups. I don't do randoms. Um, and I, I have been in that kind of mindset for probably the past maybe about 12 years. So yeah, it's um, a great scene to be in. And if you trust your body and also trust other people's my charts, then yeah, go, go out and have fun. You don't have to, you don't have to do what Jay does. Like that's super like, you know, kind of conservative when it comes to not doing hookups and things like that. But also one thing that I have started this week, I started prep and prep is it's a pill. It's a daily pill that you can take that prevents you from getting HIV. So a lot of people and a lot of people don't know that women can also take that because it's mainly geared towards a lot of men, but women can take that too. And especially since black women are of the, one of the highest rates of getting HIV, that is a really good thing to potentially add to your, your daily regimen and it's free. So if it's, if it's free, then check it out. I'm like in awe over here because this is like such great information. Thank you so much for telling me what prep is because I see Nay and Sunny D, they're like, yeah. And I'm like, am I the only one who don't know what this is? <laughs> but thank you so much. And so we are going to do a quick small transition. And this is only because um, we have so many audience questions. So we're going to try to get to as many questions as y'all sent in. So thank y'all. Thank y'all. Thank y'all for sending these in. And so how this one is going to work, we separated them from what the women asked and then what the men sent in. <laughs> um, and how we're going to do that is like, we're going to have, we're going to ask like a woman question, a male question, woman question, male question. And then with that, we're going to let Sunny D go ahead and start it off. Okay. So first question, um, this is from the ladies. Should everybody have a whole face? No, because it's not for everybody. <laughs> it's not for everybody. Have I benefited from a whole face? Absolutely. I have benefited because um, I now know like I've been able to experience. I don't have that kind of like, I wish I would have because I have. Like, I wish I would have had a threesome. I've already had that, you know? Or like, I, I wish I would have, you know, been able to watch like two guys go at it. I've, I've seen that. And that's a beautiful thing to experience I've had those experiences so I never like in the back of my head like some of the older folks that I often coach and counsel they're like I wish I would have did this when I was younger I wish I would have experienced this I've experienced a lot of that um so I don't have that in my head but if you're not that type to have a whole phase don't feel like you have to to in order to experience right it's totally okay for you to have your own moral compass you don't have to be pressured to do anything with what society pushes you to do and I think that a lot of people think being sex positive means to just be out here. Um, no, sex positive is being accepting to whatever stage someone is in. As long as it's healthy, consensual, safe, and sane. Um, and if they're in that stage in their development where they're like, no, that's not for me, then it's not for you, sis. It's okay. I love that because, you know, we're all about doing whatever is best for you as an individual. And if you are not ready for that, if you that is not something that you want, then by all means, don't do it. Full stop. <laughs> but our next question is from the men, which I am super happy about because it means that men are wanting to talk and communicate with their partners. But what are three tips they can use to improve their communication about sex? And I say they, but for everyone. Well, that's a good one. I appreciate that. Communication is the root of all pleasure. Whether it's solo pleasure, it's communicating with your with your yourself and your own needs and doing check-ins. And I think one great tip for communication is, you know, especially if you're really invested in your partner, 
is to do gradual check-ins on, you know, how things are going, if there's anything that they would try, like to try or anything they would like more of or less of and being receiving to that answer. And that's sometimes hard to do. And particularly, I know a lot of men get a lot of ego hurt. If there are any suggestions that are pushed their way, it's, it's not your time to get in your feelings. If someone is telling you things to improve, that means they like you because if they don't want you to improve in it, they don't give two fucks about how you're pleasing them. They're just trying to get something from you um, or just orbit your existence. Um, but if they actually care about also getting pleasure from you, that means they like you and, and they care enough to share that with you. So you should uh, you should actually take that as a compliment and not take that as any type of ego diss. Um, but also too, based on that, the second tip is to know that the way that you showed up with your last person is not going to be, you know, maybe similar, but may not be the same with, with your new person. You may have, you know, been able to lick or touch or or grab or choke or whatever with another person. Don't start out, you know, doing stuff, just grabbing at, you know, straws that you've already done in your past relationship, thinking that it's going to work because it, it worked for that person. It may not work for this person. So even doing some, some sensual co- communications and boundary settings and saying, you know, is there things that you don't like? Are there things that you do like what are your what are your what are your greens and what are your reds like so greens are like what are things that you're totally like down for and reds are what are things that you're not down for at all your ex may have liked to be choked I like a little look I like a little I like that but not everybody like me not everybody like me right you can't just be choking choking people they, they're gonna like it you know don't get don't get popped come come to work with a black eye and like what happened Jamal <laughs> well what had happened was see that's what you get didn't discuss boundaries and limits that's important and i will say number three being able to understand that sensuality and intimacy is is different than sex and there are people that are more sensual lovers than others yeah you may have been someone that is a big kink and loves the performance aspects of things loves to you know be be choked a bit or be tied up etc but don't discount that they may also still need that sensuality and that romance and that come down, you know, that aftercare or even that before care as well too. Being able to know that about the person you're with is important because you don't want them to think that all they are are just some kink, you know, cushion that you can just poke and enact all your fantasies. And that's it. Okay. Questions about uh, what is aftercare and, you know, pre or before care? So um, we'll start with pre or before care. In the kink community, we tend to name, you know, a kink experience as a scene, a scene that you're developing. And sometimes in order to prepare for that scene, especially if it's a little bit more risky, let's say there's a bit of choking. Let's see if there's, you know, let's say there's some some spanking or even some electro play. Sometimes a pre-prep or pre-care is, in, is needed. And I don't even say sometimes, all the time unless you all have that boundary that it's not needed. That pre-care could look like massage, good music, also words of affirmations as well too, a bit of tantric breathing, some breath work to be able to be centered as well too. And aftercare is like, how are you going to come down? So sometimes different scenes are a bit like, it's a lot. Sometimes it's a lot, right? Sometimes it like ventures to different worlds that you always wanted to be in and now you're in it. You really enjoyed it. 
it. But afterwards, your adrenaline starts to drop very quickly and it's called a drop. And when you drop, sometimes that can cause you to feel emotional. Sometimes it can cause you to feel a little anxious or even a little shame as well, too. You start reflecting back like, ooh, <laughs> this woman done had, had me crawling on the floor, kitten ears. And I was looking on her feet and listen, you know what job I got? You know what career I got? And I'm over here on somebody's floor. And I feel a little shameful about, about this experience. This, this woman that had me, is she not and that aftercare just allows for a little bit of regrouping. And that could look like a good talk and a good debrief of like what happened. And, you know, some good things or things you want to change in the future could look like a good massage, could look like cuddling as well, too. Could look like food. Somebody said they like food. Food is self-care. Could look like let's go out to eat. Yeah, could look like that, too. Or you cuddle me and feed me. I'll play with on some toes now. That's like a good time. <laughs> That's a good time, period. <laughs> Oh, I am here for it. You have my abs hurting right now. Um, so our next question is from the ladies. The question is, if you've had over 10 plus partners, will it stretch out your vaginal walls? Your vagina is this resilient space. The snapback is real. And like any muscle, sometimes, you know, it needs to be flexed. Sometimes it needs to be strengthened. Sometimes, you know, it requires a bit of medication. So like I had a hysterectomy when I was 25. It was a full hysterectomy. And because of that, I have to take estrogen and also have to take progesterone. It's a vaginal cream and it helps to strengthen the vaginal walls. But is it like a loosey goosey, like a floppy woppy? No, it's just something to strengthen um, because strengthening allows for more pleasure. What happens? I had this conversation with my homegirl the other day. When individuals with vulvas, and I'm utilizing some inclusive language around this, individuals with vulvas, when they are aroused, a lot lot of times, not all the times, but a lot of times there is a loosening. A lot of times that there there's a wetness. So it can present that it's looser, but that is a natural ebb and flow of the vagina. So before people rush out and get these vaginal restoration surgeries and stuff like that, you have to understand who's it for and who's pushing you to do that. And what is it about society that makes you feel like your vagina has to be like a, a virgin in order to get inside of it. Why is that? And I will say a lot of this is is pushed because some people have addictions to, por to pornography. And when they masturbate their penises, they squeeze their penis a little bit too hard. It's called a death grip. And when they squeeze their penises too hard, it can create a normalized sensation that they need tightness in order to come. So when they go inside of a vagina, they're looking for that same sensation that they're used to when they're jerking off, which is a tightness. And if they go inside a vagina and it's looser than their hand, then that sensa sensation may not be something that they're used to. And instead of recognizing that aspect, sometimes people end up shaming women for having trash pussies or having loose vaginas when really it may be the fact that they've been gripping on their penises too hard all their life when they've been whacking off. And I'm just going to be real with you. So before we think of anything 
same being loose or tight, etc. Sometimes we have to understand the source of who says. And if it is an issue, let's say, yes, there are people that have a dependency to masturbating, right? There are people that have a dependency to pornography that have caused the, them to masturbate a little bit harder to even some of the point that it has caused some injuries. If that happens, then my suggestion for the men out there that if it's starting to feel a sensation, you switch up your position. And there are positions that you can do with your individual that has a um, has a vulva. There are positions that you can do that will have a tightening effect. That can be leg straight in the air, closed leg. That gives a tightness as well too. That could be on the side as well. And with legs tightened as well, there are positions out there that will give that tightening experience. What is not okay is for you to enact your own frustration of not being able to bust really quickly because you're used to busting quickly from from pornography or you're utilizing your partner as a sex toy and only utilizing them to bust and shaming them about their looseness or or etc because that is often a response to arousal and you should actually be really happy about that and could (laughs) i'm just saying i hear this a lot and i hear this a lot from from folks and i'm gonna say yeah after a baby sometimes there's some exercising that needs to happen but not necessarily that your your vagina has has significantly loosened up because your pelvic floor needs to be strengthened to support your urinary incontinence to support your sexual pleasure and to support your whole you know reproductive operation sometimes i refer out to a pelvic floor physical therapist to make that happen there's kegel exercises as well too that help to strengthen the pelvic floor and to be able to clench tighter you can clench tighter during sex as well too utilizing your kegel muscles but still that's still a strategy that doesn't mean that that anything is looser or tighter let's get that mindset out of out of our heads that that has to even be be something to worry about amen because as a woman i know some of y'all men y'all really hate women and you don't even know it but all that tightness for us sometimes is painful. Like you want somebody who has the vagina of a Barbie doll, but like you want her to get pleasure too, or you don't care about her getting pleasure, but that goes into the using people like a sex toy and everything else. But yeah, if you want us so tight, sometimes that also is an issue to go see a pelvic floor therapist as somebody who knows from experience having a baby. Things sometimes get all the way closed. So tightness ain't always a good thing audience members sometimes you need to stretch that thing a little bit and make it a little bit more loose but we have another man question he said as a man what are strategies what strategies are available to help me overcome my sexual challenges and become more comfortable and confident in my sexuality and sex skills it's hard to answer because um my first question would be which sexual challenges right i need to know what sexual challenges there are because for some people it's premature ejaculation for some people they're just not able to orgasm with a partner then in order to orgasm with a partner they literally have to pull out and they have to jerk off in order to to do it sometimes that has a lot to do with dependency to to masturbation and pornography sometimes not so i would have to know what challenges you're talking about but i can answer at least the confidence aspect confidence still requires communication and also sometimes it it takes a bit of sexual history journaling thinking of where you have been sexually in the past even going back to childhood right what were some of the messages that you got about sex what were 
were some of the thought processes that you had about your body? What were what was your first sexual experience, your sexual debut? They call it virgin virginity, taking your virginity. I don't really like that term. I just say sexual debut. What was your sexual debut? What was it like? Was that the root of your your not confidence in, in sex? Sometimes there's a root. So my goal is to help you uncover the root of where that lack of confidence is. And sometimes journaling about it and looking in your past and looking now will help you discover that. Some people have um, some genital dysphoria. Genital dysphoria is shame and feelings of, of discontent about your genitals. A lot of people with vulvas have this because we have been shamed about our vulvas, about the smell of our vulvas, about the look. We've been encouraged not to look at our vulvas, not to touch it. We've been encouraged to cross our legs all the time. It's just this unknown space. There are people that go most of their life not looking at their vulvas. But for men, it's a lot of times it's protruding. So you see it, you have to touch it and it's different. But even with that, that could still cause some genital dysphoria. If you're comparing your penis to people on pornography, the average penis size is five and a half to six inches. If it's lower than that, if it's bigger than that, it's okay. Because I will say there are there are people um, packing big heat, but can't do nothing with it. They're just wham banging and not pleasure centered. So confidence is also knowing like if there's strategies that you, yeah, I, I love I love that. So look at a ruler, look at something and measure what five and a half inches or higher looks like. And that is the average. If you're below or above, it's okay. You can still be very pleasure centered. You can still evoke a lot of pleasure within individuals, even no matter what size you are. I will say over 80% of individuals with vulvas cannot orgasm via just penis alone. A lot of times it requires some type of clitoral stimulation in order to get there. So if you're able to integrate some clitoral stimulation while you're there too, utilizing a wand, utilizing a vibrator, etc., then listen, you could be that person's best sexual partner bar none. So don't necessarily focus on the genital. Focus on how you're showing up in those spaces. Ask questions and find out the root of your insecurity and your lack of confidence. Did someone shame you? And if someone shamed you, I want to go ahead and apologize on their behalf because that's something they're dealing with. Now you, if you can come with a finger, you can come with two inches. Most individuals of vulvas, not all, but most cannot come alone with penetration. Integrating some clitoral work will be wonders. Okay. Actually, before I preface this question, I have my own opinions about this because the answer is you can. So do what you want as long as everybody is consenting and we agree upon it and we're are of age. So why is it okay to have a threesome with two women? Uh, what I've seen is an, an FFM threesome, right? And not two men, which would be an MMF threesome. In today's society, why is one okay as opposed to the other? To um, concur with Sunny D, it is okay as long as it's a consensual, safe and sane and everyone's consenting individuals and in age and in in mentality and etc. It is okay. But I think that individuals tend to, in society, prioritize two women and, and one man because of patriarchy and towards misogyny. Let's go ahead and name it. Because when there's two women and one man, then the man tends to be the focus and the prize. But what tends to happen sometimes in those occasions, let me tell you what happens sometimes in the, those occasions, that there tends to sometimes be a focus on, on the two women. The two women tend to get at it a little bit more in an insecure 
security from the man creeps up and they thought it was going to be something only for the man to produce pleasure, but it ends up being something for the woman to receive pleasure in return. So before you enter into a threesome, check your insecurities first. No matter how the unit is set up, check your insecurities first because they will rear up. They will, especially the men out there that think like, yeah, I had some, I had two women on my, on my, on my dick and blah, blah, blah. That's great. Yeah, that's cool. But did you coerce your partner to do it? Because your partner's afraid that you're going to cheat without her. So you coerced her and some partners are, can't have a fawning result and say, well, you know, they're going to, they're going to cheat anyway. So I might as well just be a part of it. I don't want them to cheat on me. And I know that I'm afraid they're going to get bored with me. So I might as well just be part of the process of them, you know, choosing someone. Well, that's a bit of, that's some coercion, right? And coercion is still non-consensual activity. If you have to guilt, if you have to uh, put a seed of doubt, if you have to body shame your partner to to produce some type of outcome, it's non-consensual. So, but also having these conversations about if my partner starts to really dig this experience and is not giving me as much attention, how am I going to receive that? Am I going to enjoy it and be a little bit of a cuckold, right? Meaning that I'm watching my partner with somebody else and I'm digging that because there are people that dig that, right? Or am I going to be in my feelings and say, wow, this person's get, I never seen my partner act like this before. My, my partner was able to orgasm with this person. Why is this blah, blah, blah. Are you going to get in your performance phase or are you going to ride with it? And like, this is great that my partner is loving this. And this is something we can adapt, not all the time, but maybe occasionally in our routine, unless y'all are poly, unless y'all want to adapt it in a regular routine, right? Sometimes it's occasionally, sometimes it is regularly. So misogyny and patriarchy is your answer. Why? <laughs> the root of a lot of issues and problems in this world. Disclaimer, Dr. J, a lot of these questions we wrote our eyes on. I ain't gonna say which one, but I'm okay. gonna say a lot of them. <laughs> okay. We wrote our eyes on the, you know, repression of sexuality was real glaring in some of these. And I, I hope everyone develops an openness in their sexuality. I want that for everyone. But how can we spice up our sex life and make our sex life more fulfilling if we are bored or stagnant? You say boring or stagnant? Bored or stagnant. And you can just or list stagnant. three because okay. you can have like a whole menu of things you can do. I, I do have a whole menu of things. And I would say, why are y'all bored and stagnant? When we get when we get to that route before we jump into to that, let's figure out why y'all are bored and stagnant and, and actually get to that route. And then that is what's going to increase your 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 sexual activity and your your desire. If you're not pleased outside of the bedroom, what you think you're going to be pleased inside the bedroom? If you have resentment, if you have resentment outside the bedroom, that resentment resentment's going to come inside the bedroom. And, a, and sex will be a checkbox. And you'll just do it because you're afraid that your partner's going to cheat on you if you don't expel that energy or fulfill that. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you like, listen, I'm real. My clients know I'm real. 100%. Like there's no amount of sex that you can give someone that's going to prevent them from cheating. You can have sex. You can feed and fuck your, your person before they go out to the club or go outside and they will still fuck somebody else if they want to. That whole fat, the whole fallacy, like, before they, they leave home, you need to feed and fuck them so they'll be so like fulfilled that they won't like crave any other energies. No, that's a fallacy. Y'all forget how penises 
work and and nut works it's a it's a ever replenishing cycle you know if you're aroused and if you want something and if you don't care about somebody's boundaries i don't care how much you lay it on them i don't care how good it they you may be the pe- best lover they will ever have but they will still seek other energies because they need that validation sometimes sometimes they need that validation but other times they just may not be monogamous and they're forcing themselves into monogamy so figure out your route before i can even do the steps i'm gonna say let's figure out why you're bored and why you're stagnant get to the root of that and then be able to also implement some of those things into your bedroom you know if you need more intimacy and romance and that's why it's bored and stagnant because y'all are so you know used to paying bills and and doing life stuff that you all forgot to love on each other then that means that you all need to love on each other a little bit more in the bedroom that means that you all need to hug each other more and focus on touch a little bit more nay's beautiful mind so the next question we're going to ask because this says this is one of the repeating repeating questions that came through is how do you introduce sex toys to the bedroom with your significant when your significant other is insecure oh this is a big one <laughs> listen sex toys are the lightsaber of the sex playground shoot when you when you look at those jedis right those jedis already knew how to fight they was flipping and flopping talking cash shit to people before they will asses and stuff throwing rocks and and they already had the skills but you know once that lightsaber pulled out (laughs) listen you knew shit was going down you knew that fight scene was gonna be enhanced think of a sex toy like that you already got it you got the sauce you got it they got it but let's just let's kick this up a little bit let's kick it up and think of it like that and sometimes it is also just allowing your partner to join you in choosing the sex toy as well too um sometimes i gonna be honest sometimes big dongs that look like penises that are also bigger than your partner can also make them feel insecure that can make them feel like you know size insecure as well too so sometimes saying like yeah like especially with guys you may not want to have one and and sometimes they do sometimes i love that sometimes that's part of their kink and they love that experience so it's just important to have that communication saying you know yeah i want to integrate some sex toys what would make you less insecure that we can try vibrator a wand a suction toy would you like a sex toy too would you like me to get you a stroker a tanga egg some of my jaws won't hurt too much when i'm giving some sloppy toppy i can use that tanga egg a bit too on the tip pull out that lifesaver so two things would it be weird if we isolate that um audio right there and every time i pull one out i could play it because i need the lightsaber audio i feel like i'm already extra and that, that would be icing on the cake. Absolutely. Also, another thing, Dr. J, you did mention though, is they now make wonderful remote control vibrators and sex toys. Maybe your partner would feel more comfortable if they had the remote. So it's like they're giving you that pleasure. Okay. Okay. Y'all see, well, that's good. see what I'm doing? Look at you, Miss Sexologist. You better take my, take my course to become a sexologist, period. Listen, I had a whole section on this. If you see my name on the new cohort you already know so while we are on this tell us about this course i'm the founder of the inclusive sex coach program which helps people to become sexologists people
people are like, how do I do your work? Does that mean I have to get 10 million degrees like you? No. And I don't suggest it either, to be honest, period. Not all my decisions have been one that yielded bountiful results, i.e. Sally Mae, i.e. Joe Biden need to go ahead and get rid of these, period, i.e. Biden always bailing out these and, uh, and government bailing out all these rich people, not just Biden, but everybody else bailing out these rich people and to go ahead and bail, bail out us people that are getting our education. Yes, you can be a sexologist. It is, I created this as a streamlined process for people to be able to fulfill their dreams in a way that also is financially prudent for them as well too. Um, that does not put them into a debt of despair that prevents them from being able to buy houses or get great apartments or buy cars because you've taken out all these loans and stuff like that. You know, um, you want to be a sexologist, you can be one and you can start by coaching or if you already have a degree, yeah, you could be um, a sex counselor or you could even be a sex therapist if you have a counseling or psychotherapy background um, and I can help you get there. Um, it's a three month program. It is all virtual. We have a great learning community where I have this great Facebook groups, like now over 70 people and, and growing and they just, you know, it's they come in and they show up as themselves and they ask great questions and the people that graduate from the program, they stay there and they help to coach the, the new people that come in. So it's just this great community of co-learning. They collaborate with each other. They present at conferences with each other. There's no degree requirements, which people are like, you know, do you have to have like a doctorate? No. Um, most of the folks do have a bachelor's or higher, but we have folks that have GDs and high school diplomas too, that want to maybe learn how to sex, uh, sell sex toys and integrate coaching within their sex toy sales. I help people create their own sex toy store. You know, people are like, well, does that mean I have to like pay all this money to like some of these subscription sex toy companies that have to pay for like the box first and then no, I can literally teach you how to create a sex toy shop right now and two hours later you could start making money ducats immediately from your site with only thing you have to pay for is your website and that's it. So that is um that's my goal and I, yeah, I did this for financial freedom. I did this for emancipation of mindsets that feel like you have to acquire more debt in order to elevate yourself. I want to also decolonize the process of, of accelerating your success. I want to decolonize this process. I don't feel like you have to have a doctorate degree, degree to be successful. And yeah, I got one. I did. But it doesn't mean that you have to if you don't want to. Now, if you do, I'll hold your hand through it. But if you don't want to, don't. Yeah, because I can co-sign on peripheral seeing my good sis over here go through her doctorate journey. I'm like, never, never will I ever. Never will I ever because it sounds it I mean you already know it's work but just like like I said stalking somebody through social media and seeing all of the trials and tribulations not my ministry but speaking for myself for our listeners for myself again when is your next cohort on your future sexologist for inclusive sex coach program we actually created it as a rolling admission now so people can join whenever they would like and we also offer some really great, you know, financial aid and discounts. If you're BIPOC, if you're in the Screen Actors Guild strike right now, and if you are having some resource difficulties, we have some discounts for you and we
we can put you on a payment plan until you're finished. Although it's a three month program, um, I have some folks that have gone through some really um, tough moments in life. And because of that, for some folks, it took them about a year and some change to get finished, but they did. They did. And now they're they're doing seminars around the United States. Now they're doing some some great you know news um, news shows and they're selling sex toys and they're creating their own sex toy lines and things like that. And sometimes, you know, it's also unlearning some um, some mindsets as well, too. I have some folks that are unlearning that the mindset of what's that? Um, what's that term that they always slap on people of color where we underestimate our our skills and our worth? What's it called? Um, I don't believe in imposter syndrome. I'm going to say I don't believe in it. When people try springing it up on me, I say, hey, no, you ain't going to use that term. You don't have imposter syndrome. What you're experiencing as a society and a in a system that has placed unreasonable expectations on you in the way that you they make you feel like you have to show up in the world and because of those systems you have now have some symptoms of that right that's not on you but it is on you to figure out when are you going to let the system stop impacting how you feel about your work but do you have imposter syndrome no but is the system creating spaces and feelings within you to make you feel like you do absolutely but I like to put the blame where the blame should go it's the systems period yeah that's that social justice coming through in case you didn't realize it <laughs> I'm just a radical I think I'll be listening to myself look damn and I'm over here like yeah speak it yeah and I'm like calm yourself down calm yourself down calm yourself down but I'm like first and foremost sis I am here for every single word you just articulated and said because not only I wouldn't even call you a radical I'm going to call you you are a transformational person who is disrupting this damn system and also giving your sisters, your BIPOC, not even sisters, like humans that are melanated an opportunity to do something that they may have not even thought that is possible. And I even think of like just listening to you and I, how I so wish we had TikTok and all of Instagram when I was younger, because to for me to have followed you when I was in high school or, you know, beginning college, that would have been such a life changing moment for me because that would have been like, I feel seen. I feel heard. I feel like I may not have ever met you, but I'm like, this Dr. J is my doctor. Like, <laughs> But it's just, and I hear you talking and it's just, eye-opening for me of like how many young minds you are one changing but how many minds you're impacting to go out and do great work and not only that but to give permission to be themselves and I love that I'm here for that and I want to say thank you thank you thank you we're going to transition into our next segment which is moments of melanation moments of melanation Moments of Melanation is where we highlight a Black person doing their thing. Today for Moments of Melanation, we are highlighting. So in the spirit of having a phenomenal Black woman join our episode today and all of the goodness that her and her research and her work brings to Black women and just the table in general, I also wanted to shout out another company that I personally have used that is also trying to bring that education to Black women to allow us the space and the opportunities to be great from deep from within. So I wanted to give a shout out to Black 
Black Girl Vitamins. So I don't know if you guys have heard of this company or have tried their products or anything like that. You can find them online. Um, they have an Instagram page and all that kind of stuff, but their website is blackgirlvitamins.co, C-O, not .com, .co. What I love about them is they started with the goal to bring awareness, to provide effective solutions to our community's most common vitamin deficiencies like iron and vitamin D, which about 82% of Black women act are affected by in the U.S. A lot of us have vitamin D deficiencies or iron deficiencies, which we may not be aware of or have named, if that makes sense. So for years, vitamins and supplements have not really been tailored to the Black community. The industry never really prioritized the needs of Black women, which is not new. So they're unique to be able to thoughtfully provide products that cater to us, right? So it's it's their mission to educate and offer solutions to some of the many biological issues that Black women have, like in their various conversations in their blog. They have a blog on their website and they have a few different conversations like from vitamin D and iron deficiencies to how the vitamins and the products that they offer can help you manage your PCOS if that's something that you uh, are affected by. They even have a scholarship program where the proceeds from their products go towards women who are getting, you know, are in school for health related fields, um, which I also love. I actually have been taking their vitamins for a while. I have the, I have it over here. I would scroll, but then you'd hear my squeaky chair. But I have their wellness kit that has the probiotics. It has the CMOS uh, capsules. It has the hair, skin, and nails, and it also has vitamin D. And as someone that is, for our listeners that have been with us for a while, y'all know I like a good nap, right? That's not new information. I love me some rest and relaxation. When I tell you the urge to not take a nap has increased wildly, which is weird because I'm like, all right, as soon as it's done, I'm laying it down. <laughs> and I don't have the needs to do that because it uh, these vitamins allow me to give my body enough energy to just do the things that I need to do, you know, around the house, just day to day, which I feel an immediate change in. And I don't even think I realized that I had a vitamin D deficiency. So I highly recommend everyone try them out, at least go on their website, kind of see what the products they offer. They offer everything from prenatals to lowering your cholesterol. They even have a vitamin D test that you can take to see where you are as far as maybe having a deficiency. Also, they taste great. And this is the problem I have with them. Because they taste like candy, I want to snack on them. And you can't do that because they're supposed to be vitamins. You're only supposed to take two. But I'm just saying, they're very good. There's a passion fruit flavor. I wasn't expecting it. I enjoy it quite a bit. So I don't know if you guys have seen they like and they be like that. They're good. They also have the good gummy consistency too. Anyway, I don't know if you guys have heard of this company or seen any of their ads. So I need to know, what do you guys think about Black Girl Vitamins? I love the fact that one, it's uh, gravitated to Black girls, but also too, vitamin D is really good for sexual health because vitamin D also helps to prevent depression as well too, right? So this has some sexual health components to it and anything that has sexual wellness tends to also be good for the body and the mind and the spirit. So um, so yeah, I, I'm excited about it and this is this is just great and also gravitated towards, towards us Black girls. Like, come on now, come through. I don't currently take these vitamins, but I looked them up because if y'all don't know anything else by now, I ain't gonna tell y'all something that to try something that I think is not good, even if it is made by Black people because Black people need to have quality stuff too. Amen, amen. But looking at the tablet, one-a-day vitamins are very, very much comparable to your high-quality regular multivitamins. So this isn't like you're gonna be getting only 
probably 15 or 20 percent of your daily value in, you know, something cute that they can say, oh, it's just for black people and still give you like a hamburger's worth of actual nutrients. No, these are very much comparable. So if you want to try anything, I would recommend trying the tablet version of the one a day because it has a lot of good vitamins and nutrients in it. So I'm here for this because I'm iron deficiency. <laughs> Like I know for a fact, most days, especially when it's that time of the month, I am full blown anemic. I It's a struggle for me to stay awake during the day. And plus y'all already know me and my ice. We just, we love each other. We have this amazing, beautiful relationship. I cannot go a day without my ice. And if I do, it's only because I'm fasting and I better be, not better because, you know, God is God, but I will specifically ask to make sure I get what I need when I fast. But I love it because it does have the vitamin D, uh, D3 and iron bundle. And for me, that is amazing because right now I'm taking individually all of these different vitamins and pills and stuff in the morning. And by that, we got to think about this too, because when you start mixing zinc, magnesium, all these different vitamins, they will have some type of side effect. You may be nauseous and especially if you're not taking it with food and things like that. So for me, if I can just get this together, I am happy about this versus me because I hate iron pills. I hate hate iron pills. That's why I don't take them. They, and plus they cause constipation and all that stuff. And I don't like that. So, <laughs> so I avoid iron pills at all costs, but I really love this, especially because they're gummy. So I can just pop chew and keep going. No, they're delicious. I went, as a matter of fact, I was scrolling through the blogs and there's a whole blog post on why chewing ice could be a sign. <laughs> and I almost sent it to you. <laughs> I almost sent it to you to kind of, cause I was like, mm, there it is right there. Let me order her some vitamins. So Dr. J, they get on me about me and my ice. Like I literally will go through like, you know, Sonic, you can um buy the bag of ice. That's yeah. weekly. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. I'll just say the amount of times that we would look as we were recording and the Kai's in the background choking because she had took too much ice too quickly because that's all she does. She always has a little canister. Uh, she has her water maybe, but in a separate container is some ice. And God forbid one of them little Sonic pieces go down the wrong pipe. Somebody save them. Or the fact that this heifer, because yes, it is pounce on the con moment right now. The heifer will eat four cups full of ice, but has to remember if she ate that day. Fix it, Lord. Fix it. Yeah, I've done something like that too. I, I drink like big, I drink big things of water and because like I drink big things of water, um, those big, um, they're like almost like half gallon size since I drink like a lot of those, like sometimes it'll like stop my craving for food and then I'll look up and I'm like, ooh, like, it's five o'clock. I need to eat so. See, I am not alone. <laughs> and technically I'm being hydrated because ice is water. So I'm getting water and hydrating my body and everything. And your skin is beautiful, Dr. J. And I'm like, oh my God, I would actually start drinking more water if my skin can look like yours. But girl, it is, Um, yeah, it's water and I, I use good molecules. It's a great affordable facial brand. Yes, because believe me, if I get my skin looking like yours, I'm going to be like, oh, y'all can't tell me nothing. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> and before we head out, I have one last question to ask you. I love this question because I ask it of all of our guests. What do you want to be remembered for, like your legacy? For raising a kick-ass daughter that goes out and changes the world. Nothing more, nothing less. I live my life for her. So she's uh, she's my purpose. Like She's, she's my everything.
everything. So yeah, if I if I was just a, a mom and just a mom, that would be enough for me. You make my heart smile because <laughs> like just hearing that is so beautiful. And as you know, Nate has a little one too. And y'all's parenting style, I know like y'all are raising amazing little ones. I can like, I seriously can't wait to see what they will be in like 10 or 20 years and like what, what changes they have made to this world because y'all are not raising in my opinion like mediocre kids like I hope y'all know both of y'all y'all are raising amazing exceptional children and I am here for it and I just want to say first and foremost thank y'all for being moms because I feel like that is the hardest job on this planet is to be a parent and if anybody wants to challenge me we we can go toe to toe we're going to transition into our last part and that's our affirmation and our affirmation will be from Dr. J. How do you show up as your higher self? And that requires a daily understanding of where you've been and where you are now and where you hope to be in the future. So my affirmations to you all is that you all take some time and set some really great intentions of where you are now and where you all would like to be in the future, but not being ashamed of where you've been. Where you've been is not where you have to stay. And sometimes pruning along the way will also benefit that process. So you are great. You are capable, more than capable. And you are vegetation that can give life to wherever you are. As long as you believe that, you can't depend on other people to name you for you. You have to name that within yourself. That was powerful. That was powerful. And I'm going to write that down and start saying that when you are vegetarian, you are vegetation that gives life. Because as y'all, you see my hair, like I always tell myself that I'm a tree because my hair grows up and it looks like a big tree. So <laughs> thank you. Yes, yes. And before we end this episode, Dr. J, tell everyone where they can find you, where they can contact you, but don't be asking her some crazy, crazy questions. Like, no, gonna, I know she said all questions are open. Yeah, y'all can ask me whatever, but just prepared for the answer, be prepared for the answer. And sometimes that answer is um, my fee is $175 an hour. At the time of this recording, because it does go up. It does. It, it does. So, um, <laughs> but no, they can reach me at, um, on Instagram at Dr. So that's D-R-J. That's J-A-Y. The, that's T-H-A. Loveologist. They can find me on Facebook at J the Loveologist. Again, with a T-H-A, not a T-H-E. The Loveologist. They can reach me on my website at www. The, so that's T-H-E-C as in cat, E-S as in Sam, W.com. And yeah, we're we're here for support. And now to be honest, it, I know my fees can be a little up, up there. So I do have equity plans. If you cannot afford it, there are equity plans, but still there is a requirement for payment, right? I do have some clients that pay me about double or triple what my fee is because they can't afford it, right? But that does allow me to take a small, pool. I'm only um, I'm only able to do a small pool of clients per month that are on an equity plan. And that is roughly maybe about five to seven clients a month that can be on an equity plan. So sometimes it's a no, um, but sometimes I have um, openings for the next month. See, I love that. And also I forgot who said it, but today's price is not yesterday's price. I messed that whole entire thing up, didn't I? I did. Yeah. A little bit, but, but we still get it though, because yes, price are prices are going up and listen I live in Los Angeles and I live 
of like downtown. So my my rent is 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 not Kentucky rent. <laughs> my rent ain't even Austin, Texas rent when I lived in Austin, Texas. And Austin, Texas is expensive as F. So bills got to get paid. And but two, we can do it in an equitable way. I do this with equity in mind. So I, there are opportunities for you to get support. Keep that in mind. Thank you. And with that, y'all go follow her, contact her, ask her questions. <laughs> questions. Oh, question one. But like she said, yes, but like she said, be prepared for that answer. Be prepared. Never ask a question you don't want the answer to. And so with that, follow her on all social medias and then y'all can uh, follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube. Go ahead and check out the blog where all of naysays at where's my blueprint pod.com again to, again that is where's my blueprint pod.com and with that we are over and out bye bye peace out